This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance. In this episode, we welcome Lauren Winger. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting youth sport coaches and parents who help our children succeed both on and off the field. Each episode, our host Jim Thompson, CEO of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by professional coaches, Olympians, world-class athletes, general managers, and leading youth sports experts who share their insights from their own sports careers. In this podcast, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with water polo silver and gold medalist Lauren Winger. I think it's important that you teach your um, kids that are playing or whoever that you can't take anything personal in the mm-hmm. sport, um, mm-hmm. you're there to play the game, and that's what, I mean, it's part of the game, and yeah. you just have to enjoy it and, you know, just build that strength mentally to override it and just, you know, rise above and just do whatever you need to in that situation. Lauren shares how having a parent that played water polo influenced her career and provides advice to youth sport parents on how to support their children. She also talks about how she handled having siblings that played the same sport as she did. Lastly. She encourages youth athletes to play multiple sports growing up and have as much fun as possible while doing so. Lauren, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Lauren Winger grew up in Long Beach, California, and played her high school water polo for Long Beach Wilson High School. She was named a high school All-American and earned a Scholar Athlete Award all four years. From 2003 to 2006, she attended University of Southern California, where she majored in policy, planning, and development. During her 2004 season at USC, her team finished as undefeated NCAA champions. In 2006, her senior year, she was awarded the Peter J. Coutinho Award as the best collegiate water polo player. Lauren joined the senior USA national team in 2005 and promptly played a key role helping the USA to a silver medal finish at the 2005 FINA World Championships in Montreal, Canada. At the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, she played on the USA team that got edged out 8-9 in the championship game by the Netherlands. She bested this silver medal by bringing home a gold medal from the 2012 London Olympics. Lauren, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So I've read that your dad um, also played water polo and was the one who introduced the sport to you and your brothers and sisters. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, so my dad was pretty much more of a competitive swimmer growing up, and then he kind of ventured over to water polo. And he always kind of mentioned it to us growing up, but we were such a more of a soccer team, um, soccer, you know, uh, family. So then I got injured and my dad's like, all right, it's time for us all to transition into water polo. So my brother started and then, I don't know, my sister and I just kind of followed. (laughs) So, so it sounds like you grew up playing multiple sports. When, when was it that you finally decided to specialize in water polo and, um, you know, was it the injury or other things that sort of told you it was time to, to move on and specialize? Well, I think growing up, my parents wanted us to kind of just engulf ourselves in athletics and just kind of see which way and where we wanted to go with sports. Um, I did get injured in soccer at, I think I was like 14 years old. So then at that point, I transitioned into water polo. I just kind of jumped in the pool and kind of found my home for a sport. So 
Mm-hmm. It stuck. <laughs> and so when you turned 14 and, and went to water polo, were you playing any other sports or did, would that become it for you at 14? Um, I just, I was kind of still, you know, teeter-tottering on whether or not I was going to play soccer. Um, that was just kind of my life dream. I knew I wanted to be an Olympian, so it just, I couldn't figure out what sport I was going to actually do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I jumped in the pool, and it just kind of all came together naturally, and I was just like, all right, this is it. I'm going to totally go for this. Whatever happens, happens, and I guess it turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so one question that we often get from our responsible sports audience is, when is, the, when is it the right time for my child to specialize? And I'm curious if you were giving advice to parents who were asking that question, how you would answer that. Well, I think, you know, there's a point where your kids are doing too much and there's a point where you're doing too little. So I think it's just up to the kids what they're having fun doing. If they want to just dabble in everything, I think that's great. But I think in the end, you kind of just end up where you're supposed to be. And that's just kind of how life happens, you know. But it's, it's you know, really up to the kids and not forcing them because that takes the fun away and just seeing where they go with what they want to do, you know. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful point. And often... As a parent, if you have a coach coming to you and saying, wow, your daughter's so talented. If she gave up everything else, you know, she could earn a college scholarship. Um, that whole notion is just, it's really compelling. And sometimes parents feel like they're doing their kids a disservice if they don't encourage them to, to specialize. But I think leaving it up to the kid is a fantastic answer. Definitely. I agree. Um, so, so I believe that you and your sister and your brother all ended up playing water polo all the way through the college level. And I'm curious if you could tell our responsible sports listeners um, if there were things you feel like your parents did to support you guys to reach um, such heights and, and, of course, for you, the Olympics. Um, I just think that they supported us. So I know, that, you know, life is crazy and busy and parents have to work, but they always found a way to support us, get us to practice, come to our games. I mean, we were all over the place being three kids uh, 15 months apart. So mm. um, we were also fortunate that my sister and I were able to play a lot on the same, you know, teams. Mm-hmm. We went to USC together. We kind of started water polo at the same time. So that was kind of cool just for my sister and I to share. Um, but they, I think the biggest thing is just supporting your kids and trying to just be there and not letting life get in the way mm. of, you know, the things that are, your children are enjoying at the time. So Yeah, yeah. So that's a really interesting point about playing even all the way through USC with your sister. I'm curious if you ever felt like you were competitive with your siblings about your different sports achievements, you know, perhaps water polo or even before that, and if you have advice um, for parents about sort of handle, handling that kind of competition among siblings. I just think you have to treat your children equal. You can never mm. put, say, you know, one child is doing better than the other. I mean, we both did together, and we ended up being closer than ever. I mean, to be honest, like, we are so close in age, my brother, sister, and I, and I really didn't want my sister to go to USC at the beginning because I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted mm-hmm. to just mm-hmm. be different from them, and it ended up, like, me just totally protecting her, like, having her come and just, you know, being one of my best friends on the team, and it never got to the point where we were battling against each other because she's left-handed, I'm right-handed. We were just kind of different yeah. Um, positions, but at the same time, we were teammates, you know, mm-hmm. at that point. And when you talk about like sort of the idea for parents of treating their kids equally, are there specific things you feel like they can do to have their kids feel like they're getting equal treatment? I, I goes back to just supporting them. I think, mm-hmm. you know, just showing them the equal love and just letting them know that you're there for them for whatever they need. If it's, you know, just to talk about the sport or if you, you know, you just need to like, 
hear or just have a shoulder to cry on when you're frustrated, but it's just being there for your kids. And um, I don't know if there's anything specific, but you just, you, you're just there for them, you know? Yep. Yep. So, so I don't know if your sister was there with you at USC in 2004 when you guys had that undefeated season, but can you tell us a little bit about the culture of that team and what made that uh, incredible streak possible? Well, it seems like it was so long ago, but um, I think just one of the main things is that we, we were a team. Um, there was no standout players. We each you know, contributed in our own way, and um, I think we all just supported each other. We all had one goal, and it was to win the NC2A championship, and that's a huge thing for college, you know, and especially for water polo, that's pretty much a professional league since we don't have it in the United States, and it's all the mm-hmm. best players, um, you know, playing water polo, so it was something that we as a team wanted, and that was what we defined as our goal for that season, and we just played one game at a time. We weren't looking too far ahead. Um, and I guess that's just how we ended up being defeated. I don't know. We just one game at a time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in, inside Responsible Sports, we talk about the very best coaches really at any level, whether it's youth or all the way up through the Olympics, that they, they strive to win and prepare their players to win. And that at the same time, they're also teaching life lessons to their athletes. So, you know, lessons that are actually going to help you outside of the pool and even beyond your water polo career. And I'm curious if there are any coaches in your mind that really stood out as this type of coach, and what are some of those lessons you feel like they taught you that, that go even beyond the pool? Well, I, I would go back to, you know, my USC coach, Jovan Vavage, was someone that taught me a tremendous amount of, you know, knowledge about water polo, but about life too. And I think that's what makes such a um, successful coach is being able to teach your players that, yeah, you need all these skills as a water polo player, but you can even apply them to your life. And I think his main thing was um, teaching discipline to us. Mm. So time management with school, you know, you can't just be a water polo player forever. You have to get your degree at the same time, but being able to perform at a high level. Mm -hmm. Um, He also taught us, you know, communication, which is vital for outside of water polo. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, there's things that I can't really name specifically, but have shaped me as a person today, mm-hmm. you know, and I carried that even to the Olympic team. And then there's Guy Baker, Adam Krikorian, who, you know, brought us to an elite level and were, made us able to be successful in front of a worldwide stage and then also be able to be humble, you know, outside mm-hmm. of water polo. So I think all my coaches have taught me to be a better person and a better teammate. So, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, so I've read that you really have the skills to play anywhere in the pool. Uh, maybe you wouldn't want to play goalie, but anywhere in the pool, you, you have this, the skills to do that. And I'm curious just the story of how you ended up as a two-meter defender and, um, and if there's a certain mentality that you think goes along with that position. Um, I just think defense wins championships. And so, you know, um, you have all these roles for all different players. And I just wanted to make sure – that I was helping the team do whatever we needed possible to win. Mm-hmm. And so I'm six foot three. I'm pretty long. Um, they kind of just dabbled me in all aspects of water polo. But I, my love for the sport is playing defense. And so, hmm. you know, playing on the perimeter, being able to steal balls, shot blocking, or, you know, being a two-meter defender, I'm just going to be wherever I'm most suitable for our team. And I think that's most important. So I can play all these different positions, but – in all fairness, I'm going to be where the team needs me, you know. 
Yeah. So I'm curious. I think, you know, we, we really will probably have coaches and parents and athletes from many different sports listening to this interview. And often it's offense that's seen as like, you know, the showy position that's like the one everybody wants. And yeah, you know, defense doesn't sort of get as much glory. And yet you sort of gravitated to that and felt like that's how you could really help your team win. Is that something that just was within you? Or do you feel like you had a coach or an influence that sort of built that, that really, that big respect for being a defender? Well, I think um, Jovan taught me that, you know, you have to, you have to learn defense first in order to play the game and Mm. be successful at it. And so I think with that, once I can master defense, I could learn how, you know, what I needed to do on offense to break down that defense. And I think it's just knowing the game. I don't know if necessarily like I one day was just going to be, you know, a defensive player, but that's how my road, you know, that's what I took. And so I don't know. I just went with it and it worked, but you know, it it is hard when, you know, they, everybody amplifies the offensive part of the game, but Mm -hmm. You have to know that your team's winning because you're shutting down the other team, and that's just just as important, you know. And so, if you guys are winning games as a team, that's I think more important than scoring goals or, you know. But it's all it's all relevant to the sport, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, one more question, I guess, about sort of being a two meter defender. Um, you know, we talk about honoring the game and trying to teach players to really honor um, the rules and honor their opponent. And I know that in water polo, the underwater play can just get really aggressive. And and I'm curious sort of your take on that as a two meter defender and how do you both honor the game, but, you know, give a hundred percent in that position. Um, I think it's important that you teach your um, kids that are playing or whoever that you can't take anything personal in Mm -hmm. the sport. Um, Mm -hmm. You're there to play the game and that's what, I mean, it's part of the game and you just have to Enjoy it and, you know, just build that strength mentally to override it and just, you know, rise above and just do whatever you need to in that situation. But that's the fun part of the game. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, the stuff that happens underwater is just, it's wrestling. It's part of the sport and um, you have to accept it because if you don't, then obviously it's going to get the best of you. But um, enjoy it and just know that it's not personal, I guess. Did, do you have any tools that you could give, you know, like a high school water polo player who maybe is in the pool and is getting frustrated, like they don't feel like they're getting the calls and it's get, you know, and they just feel themselves starting to get upset and, and not be able to sort of not take it personally, any sort of tips for them of how to handle those moments? Well, I just, um, my most important thing that I've learned and it's been, you know, because in those situations, everybody's going to get frustrated and you kind of you kind of uh, lose your focus a little bit. But I think just do not look at the referees. you got to mm. stay in the moment, mm-hmm. um, keep playing, and just kind of move on. If you are thinking about a play that happened 10 seconds ago, a minute ago, a quarter ago, you're not in the moment and you're just mm. going to make a mistake or something, you know, you're going to be a detriment to your team. So mm-hmm. I think staying in the moment and just, you know, things are going to happen. You have to accept it. But in the end, you can make better from that play or whatever it is. That's great. I, I love I love the two takeaways of don't look at the ref and be in the moment. Those are fantastic. You can't change what happened two minutes ago. Um, so so when we were talking about sort of how you ended up as a two meter defender, one of the things you talked about is how you're six foot three and and long. And I, I'm curious. I think a lot of young women who are tall sort of feel self conscious and almost wish they weren't so tall. And I'm curious what you would say to those young women. Well, I think it's really hard being tall in the environment and the life that we're living today. I think there's a lot of bullying going on in high schools, 
but you have to understand you're an athlete and they're probably jealous of you. Mm. Playing water polo is like a really hard sport and being tall, you need to be proud. When you walk into a room, people who are, I'm sorry for those of you out there, (laughs) who are shorter, you know, don't maybe necessarily get recognized and being tall and an athlete and you just have so many doors in front of you that are going to open and I think um, even parents need to embrace it, you know, just not coddling your child, but letting them know that, you know, there's so much out there for tall women and mm-hmm. who cares about the boys at that time, you know, but really embrace it and just enjoy your body and love it, you know, because that's what's most important. Yeah. And it, it, do you, was this something that you felt like you had to grapple with or you just always sort of were able to take that, that attitude that this is, you know, be tall and be proud and walk tall? No, I mean, I definitely growing up got the nicknames or, you know, pe- young, you know, people who are so mean these days, you know, making fun of me. But it's, a, it's at a point where, okay, I'm hanging around all these other athletes. Um, we're working hard. I'm playing a sport that most people couldn't even play. Yep. And it just, you kind of develop the mentality, but you have to surround yourself with people that are going to love you for who you are and not what you look like. And, you know, you're surrounding yourself with even other athletes, which also help, you know. So I think it's just a mentality you learn. But if you can have the right people guiding you, it totally helps. That's great. Um, So when you first joined the national team, I think you had a bunch of um, your teammates who had also played at USC. Um, but you also had a bunch of players from some of your biggest rivals, you know, collegiate rivals. And I'm curious if it was hard to gel as a team and sort of get past the collegiate allegiances or if that was just something that happened pretty easily. Um, it's funny because USC and UCLA have a great rivalry. And um, Adam, who was our gold medal coach, he actually was one of the coaches for UCLA. And so it was funny because we were always rivals, you know, but I actually really respect all the girls that, you know, play Division One or even water polo in college. I mean, they're the best water polo players we have in mm-hmm. our country. And so, and even the world, you know, per se, but I felt like honored, you know, I didn't have to play against all these girls that I, you know, would, you know, I don't know, play against in big games or whatever. And now we're as one. And I, I just knew that we could, we were capable of doing the, um, what we haven't been able to do in the sport is, you know, win a gold medal. And so I thought, I don't know, it was just, it was kind of weird at the beginning, but we all, we all wanted a gold medal, you know, mm-hmm. so we came together. Mm-hmm. So, so before the 2012 games, how many of your teammates like you played internationally? Like I know you've played in, in Italy and Greece, and I'm just curious if that was like many of your teammates did that as well. Well, I think we had a lot of returners that, you know, were able to get overseas. I'm not sure quite like an exact number, but there are a lot of girls that had just joined the national team and out of college went to Spain, went to Australia. So there was a good amount of us, which, you know, is great, great um, exposure for us as Americans, but then also experience for international water polo. I don't, I don't know exact numbers. Yeah, I'm just Good majority. Yeah, and for you personally, do you feel like playing internationally really helped you bring your game to another level? Yeah, it, you know, I I do because I think that being able to play year round and especially in a country that maybe you're not familiar with, you learn so much about yourself as a person, mm. but then even other cultures. And so it's fun to go play overseas just so you're vulnerable. You know, you're not comfortable all the time, but then you're also playing these amazing games against you know, these amazing, amazing um, opponents. So 
I don't know. I thought it was a pretty incredible experience. It wasn't always easy, you know, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you stick with it and you become better for it. Yeah. What What were some of the bigger challenges? Oh, one of the biggest challenges I had was just, you know, actually being, let's see, I think I was 21 at the time, 2021, going over to play in Greece. And I'd never been away from home. I was all by myself, you know, with my mm-hmm. suitcases, going to Greece, didn't know anyone. Um, didn't know the language, you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. And so forming those relationships, uh, depending on even the girls that are over there, you know, just to communicate in different ways or whatever, but you're really vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's a hard transition, but came back and I was stronger for it. You know, I, I learned a lot about myself, which was a big growing part, I think, for myself. That's great. That's great. So um, in 2010, you, you missed the FINA World Cup with a sports hernia. And um, I know many of our listeners have had to deal with injuries. And I'm curious what kind of advice you could give a responsible sports coach about how to keep athletes involved with the team, even when they're injured. Because we know that when athletes get injured, often they also get depressed. And, um, and keeping them, them involved is so important. And do you have any coaches who are particularly good at that or any advice for coaches who have injured athletes? Um, I would just say the biggest thing is communication. So, you know, you kind of feel like you're being, the team's moving forward and you're kind of behind still just because you're not in the water yeah. um, necessarily. But it comes from the athlete too, how much you want it. And so if you can just communicate, you know, have them. I had a notebook, you know, sitting there running the plays, like mentally doing everything, but just trying to keep them involved as much as possible. But it comes from communication, which I think is so vital for in and out of the water. You know, even if you're injured or not, it's communication. So just allowing, you know, that player still feel involved. But um, it, it is, it's a tough situation. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you would, at the high school level, still give the advice to the athletes to go to practice and sort of mentally go through the motions, even if they can't be in the pool. Oh, 100, 100%. I mean, some people think, you know, I'm injured. There's no need for me to go to practice. Right. That's the most important thing. I, I actually um, broke a couple of fingers before the 2008 game, and that was one of the hardest times to be injured. Hmm. Um, I was sitting there on the sideline. Every single practice, every single second, before, after, asking questions, riding, you know, a bike even, or mm-hmm. I actually got a waterproof cast and was, you know, trying to do as much as I could in the water with the team. But it comes from the athlete as much as the coaches. And it's, you know, it's the will, it's the discipline, it's the courage that's, going to, you know, going to propel you to be able to be okay in the situations when you come back in. So That's great. That's great. Um, Ken, I'm sure that the, the experience of the 2008 games coming away with a silver medal, um, you know, it's, it's wonderful to leave with a silver medal and I'm sure your team really wished that they had, you know, uh, come away with a gold. And then I'm curious if you can just reflect on the four years between the games and, um, what those years were like, how the team handled that time. Um, and then I guess finally just bring it all the way through to how it finally felt to stand on the gold medal platform in London. Um, well, I think I'd like to tell more of a personal story. So yeah. for the 2008 games, um, obviously it was my first Olympics as a lot of my teammates. But um, So I'd always known I wanted to be an Olympian. But in the semifinal game against Australia, um, I broke my hand. And mm-hmm. so that was a moment where it was, okay, my world's crumbling. I'm not going to be able to play in the gold medal game, everything I've worked for. And it was a big moment for myself. Um, so I came, I played about six minutes in the gold medal game, 
And yeah, we were all upset about the silver medal, but hey, we walked away with the silver medal, which is still hard to like talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always forever with you. But so coming into the next four years was different for me just because I didn't get to really participate in that gold medal game. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to be, you know, a two time Olympian. I wanted a gold medal, at least another shot to at least play in the game. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my motivation, but yeah. it was going to be a long road, you know, and um, I just think it was, you know, one year at a time in the quad and just training to get healthy again. So I went to Greece, you know, after surgery or whatever and played, went to Italy and played a little bit, but um, I don't know. I just, it's a different story for myself, I think, because I had to overcome adversity at the Olympic Games because you think the Olympic Games are going to be where you play your perfect water polo, and yeah. obviously it doesn't turn out that way. So right. I just had the motivation of wanting to get back to a second Olympics yeah, um, and be healthy and just give it whatever I could in a different way than the last time. So Yeah, yeah. So so where are you now in, in your career? Is this uh, two, two Olympics enough, or are you thinking there may be a third one in your future? Um, well, I think – there, there's nothing that can beat the London Olympic Games. Um, God, I mean, it, it's gone by so fast. I was just talking to my husband, actually, and it was like, the Olympics are over. And, like, you spend <laughs> all this time training and preparing for this, you know, event, and then you're just kind of done. But yeah. the London Olympics could not have been any more perfect. The venue, my team, our staff, everything was just, you know, right. The equation, everything was there. And I just don't think you can beat that. And so... I've I have retired. I'm done, but okay. Okay. I'm leaving on a good note. I mean, there's nothing more than you can possibly do. You know, I just that moment is just something you can't even put into words to explain to people. It's just incredible. Yeah, really going out on top. So what's so what's next? Um, well, so I'm actually back in school, uh-huh. and I just got into phlebotomy school, and that's IVs and yeah, um, blood drawing, and then I'm doing my prereqs to get into physician assistant school. Great. Great. Yeah, so something different, but um, definitely using all my skills from water polo to, you know, help me through school because I haven't been in school for about seven years, and yep. there's just so much that you learn from water polo or even just the adventures that you, you know, the journey, I guess you would say, yeah. and I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Well, Lauren, um, this has been really enjoyable, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and with the Responsible Sports audience today. I really feel like a bunch of the stories you told and just your outlook um, are going to help a number of the parents and, and athletes and coaches who are listening. So congratulations on an incredible career, and thanks again for taking the time with us today. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me. To learn more about Responsible Sports, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find valuable responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and helpful advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.